Okay, it is June the 2nd, 2022. Let's join hands. <clears throat> Heavenly Father God, we thank you for these that are here tonight and any who may yet be on their ways. We pray you teach us tonight by your Holy Spirit. We just ask you to remember these on the prayer list. Pat, my sister, for her shoulder to heal. And Gary, blessings and wellness for him. Marcos, salvation for his son, Reverend Davis and family, John and Ruby, Vassie and Linda, Chuck Knipp and his father, Randolph, Marta and Charles, and the Long family, and Alan and, and uh, Sam have returned safely from New York. And we're praying for uh, Janet Penn, again Pat and Gary, my friend Rex, and Eric. Uh, Kathy Strock for healing. Healing and comfort for Randy Umbarger. Ray and Judy and his prayers uh, uh, answered. Uh, salvation for those in positions of power. Revival for our nation. Ted and Eric, again Rex, Reverend Davis and his family. And Miss Carrie there and America. Christians worldwide. Carolyn Eanes, Reverend Davis, Reverend Davis popular, we just he's such a blessing to so many Lord, we just pray you continue to keep him and his wife in, in your hands, uh, Kaylee Jones, and uh, there was a car wreck, and um, we just pray that uh, all might be well from that, our police officers and our military troops, our children and grandchildren, Bob's children and grandchildren, and again, our police officers, fire and EMT. Lord, we just thank you and pray you've heard these requests, knowing that two or more are gathered in your Holy Spirit's with us. And we pray thanking you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John, you want to scoot those chairs apart a little bit? There he is. There he is. He's got done praying for you. How you doing? Hey. How you going? You made the prayer list three times tonight. Well, that's good. <laughs> I guess that's good. Prayer's always good. Nothing too much to add to it. Uh -huh. The lady we prayed for last week, she had a massive heart attack. She died Friday morning. Okay. And my wife's oldest brother is 107 years old. They called yesterday for the family to come in, so we keep that family. 107. 107. Oh, my goodness. That is... And I'm sure he's he's probably ready to go see oh, the Lord. Oh, yes, yes, he's ready. Yeah, he's yeah. He's Sunday school superintendent for yeah. years, worked in the coal mine for years, and he's been a good man. Obviously. Now, now does he do like that that fellow, that, what was that uh, veteran? He said, I, I drink a glass of whiskey a day and I smoke a cigar. He was 112 or 14. <laughs> That's he how. drank a glass of wine and ate a piece of cake every night. That'll work. Well, you got to have things to look forward to. Yeah. That's what yes. people don't realize. You have to have... By the way, Reverend Davis, this is Larry Lee Newberry and his wife, Jenny Lou. And uh, we, had to, we had to legitimize our little church here with a real pastor. So, he's, <laughs> so we're blessed to always have Reverend Davis with us. When he can make it. He's a very, very busy man for 81 years old. Hey, be 82 this month. 82 a little bit later this month. Well, you don't look it. You look younger than I know, than I am. 
And I definitely are not feeling. Get on to the good Lord and thank Him. Amen. Just like He is. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at Deuteronomy, first chapter seventeen. Deuteronomy seventeen. It's John. Hand me that Bible right by, directly behind you, please. It's Direct. on that. It's on that trays right there. Okay. All right. Let's go through. Deuteronomy seventeen. And just the verse. Uh, verse six. It says, At the mouth of two witnesses, or three witnesses, shall be that is, uh, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. It has to be two or three witnesses. Page over to Deuteronomy 19. And uh, verse, I think it's 15. Verse 15, Deuteronomy 19. One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin in any sin that he sinneth at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. This was God's standard from the beginning. And uh, therefore we have four witnesses of the gospel. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do they tell it identically? They don't. And you have some, um, you have some naysayers who uh, like to say, oh, there's all these discrepancies and contradictions, they'll say. And I actually had a guy who pretended to be a Baptist minister and who's still taking money for doing exactly that try to do a Bible study one night on uh, at that particular church on where all of the uh, mistakes were in the Bible where you know all these mistakes um, and I didn't write these down I think I can find it so I'm just going to put it around here uh, let's see thinking um, this is where um, the man who had the legion the demons of legions verse 26 of Luke chapter 8 Luke chapter 8 verse 26 says and they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes Luke 8 verse 26 they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes which is over against Galilee I have trouble seeing some, some reason here <clears throat> and when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils or demons a long time and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. 
When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. This demon knew who he was talking to. He also knew he had the power, that Christ had the power <coughs> to torment him. Verse 29 says, For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oftentimes they had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and fetters, and he broke the bands, and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And when Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. Just so you know what the devils are, the demons. Demons are not fallen angels. They're not the same thing. Um, the book of Enoch is quoted in the book of Jude. I have a copy of the book of Enoch. Enoch is not part of this Bible. But it was found with the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's a very long book. It's at least as long as Jeremiah and Isaiah put together. And maybe even longer. But in that book... It is told that when the flood came on these hybrids of Genesis chapter 6, half fallen angel, half human. Genesis chapter 6 talks about them. Uh, they had human mothers. It said that these sons of God, and they were angels, God made them, but they left their heavenly estate to make babies with human women. This offspring... It's called the Nephilim, uh, and it's in Genesis 6. I don't Have you heard of this before? You'd have to read it. Oh, they're called giants in the King James. I'll, I'll show you right quick. And, uh, and I'll be... Well, Jenny's sitting over like, it's the craziest stuff I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, our preacher doesn't go there. That's all I've got to say. What Jensen are you talking about? Genesis 6. Genesis 6. There were giants in the earth those days on the first floor. I'll read it from this one. When men began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. A word about marriage. They didn't go down to the magistrate. They didn't go down to the local preacher. They didn't apply for a marriage license at the local courthouse. None of this was done this way. But the marriages were considered marriages at consummation. You see what I'm saying? And that's still true today. If a man lays with a woman that he's not married to, he has married her. You can go get married in the eyes of the state, but in the eyes of God, you've done it. And you better abide by it. Well, they married them, it says. That means they, 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 they slept with them. Verse, uh, they saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. Prior to this point, they were living a lot longer. They find these skulls that they think, Oh, this is Cro-Magnon man. This is Hemo erectus man. Look at this skull. These are skulls of human beings that are hundreds of years old because your 
your jawbone continues to grow. And we've got wisdom teeth, right? Most of us have had them removed. But they're there from a time when, as that person would get older and older and older, those then the jaw would elongate, they would have those teeth. So who knows what Methuselah looked like before he passed. The Nephilim, they're called giants. That's verse 4, I guess it is. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. And also afterward. Those three words should shake you. If you study the Bible in depth, they haven't stopped. We've still got freaks, hybrids. The Kendallar Giants about the most latest famous one out of Afghanistan. Well, they're they're blending in. You know, um, when you know, if you watch some of the the stuff that when we mentioned this maybe last week, David Blaine, this magician. Um, Chris Angel there's another one or two this is not sleight of hands this is not trickery when, when he, he got one of them got the lady on this morning show host of this morning show to hold her bank card in her hand out in front like this and he looks at it and the bank card comes up off her hand and starts swirling around you know, uh, and they're totally freaked out. That's that's a small thing compared to what some of them are doing. But um, do we believe the book of Exodus? Do we believe that Pharaoh had magicians who could turn this stick into a snake or who could turn more water into blood or make more frogs? They could make the plagues worse. They couldn't improve on them, but they could make them worse. They were doing supernatural things. Who were these characters? Who were the Greek gods, mythological gods, not myth? They knew these characters. That's why they're drawn just 18 feet tall and bulletproof, you might say. They existed. I mean, what culture sits around and makes up a bunch of gods? You know, we need us some gods here. What you got to suggest? I don't know. What about one that throws lightning, you know? I mean, it's it doesn't make sense. It doesn't pass the sniff test. But when you realize that these cultures existed at a time when this Genesis 6 stuff was going on. It's not such a mystery. But anyway, it says uh, they, the, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. They were the heroes of old men of renown who built the pyramids. These rascals. They had this ability. We can't build pyramids like that today. We know that. They'll admit that. It wasn't built by a bunch of Egyptians with log rollers and stuff. And why would you add to the part of a structure a stone that weighs 90 tons, 180,000 pounds, you know, several stories up in the air? Why not just make it out of smaller pieces that you could handle? They could handle that 90-ton piece. They had talents. And we yet don't understand them. So these demons that, that were in uh, this guy Legion, they were not fallen angels. Fallen angels do not need to possess a body. They can manifest one, just like any angel can. Does Hebrews 13 not tell us, be careful when entertaining strangers, you may have entertained an angel unaware? Yes. So the bad ones can be there too. Now, these that did this in Genesis 6, however, 
They were confined to the pit. They were locked away. But not all of them did it. So there were still some more. Because it says, and also afterwards, they made these, these, these babies. When the earth flooded, these half-human, half-fallen angel beings had souls, and they were confined to the earth, according to the book of Enoch. And those are the demons. And they're nothing to be afraid of. You have power in the name of Jesus Christ. When you feel torment coming on you, when you feel anxiety, or when you feel a hateful feeling, when you feel despair for no reason, you might be being tormented by this familiar spirit whispering to you that you're no good, that the world would be better off without you, that your family would not miss you, that you're a complete failure at all you do. They do this because they serve Satan and he came to steal and to kill and to destroy according to the word of God. But these demons don't have bodies so they want to go into this guy and he lets them in. You continue reading the account. He, uh, the demons ask, can we go into these pigs, right? And so... Jesus lets them go into the pigs, but immediately the pigs run down to the sea and drown. Is anybody unfamiliar with that? Right? Remember this? That's so, the first occurrence of Devil's Hand. Devil's Hand, huh? We went to Ray. Okay, in the book of Mark, <laughs> in the book of Mark, Let me find that I should have written this stuff down. I should have, but I did not. Chapter 5 of the book of Mark. Many believe that, chapter, that Mark is Peter's gospel by the way it reads in places, and Mark wrote it down, but it's Peter's gospel starts at the beginning of Mark 5 and they came over unto another side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes it's the second time it mentions Gadarenes and when he was come out of the ship immediately there was met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind no not with chains because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Same account, right? We just read it out of, uh, out of Luke. Now we see it in Mark. It is this man, after they came across the Sea of Galilee, into this area of the Gadarenes, the country of the Gadarenes. Matthew, and I think this is 8, Matthew chapter 8. Bible should have made it pages about three times thicker. Hell, <laughs> oh, is that right? They're real thin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's called, it's called onion paper. Um, 
trouble finding what I'm looking for. Okay, here we are in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 8. It's going to teach me to, to, to take notes on it. Verse 28, Matthew chapter 8, it says that when he was come the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, this doesn't say Gadarenes, it's Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. The other two accounts talked about this too, the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. So here's, here's the guy saying, Okay, which is it? One demon-possessed man or two? Which is it? The gatherings or the gergesenes? Which is it? Obviously, this is the same account. They can't both be right, can they? Yes, they can. Let me show you why. But you've got people that like to take things like this, and there are other examples. This is just one that I trusted that the Lord showed me the right answer to, and I've said before, you've got to be real careful of somebody that jumps up there at the pulpit and says, Let me tell you what the Lord showed me to be. You know, he's probably getting ready to tell you a bunch of crap. <laughs> you know, so you do have to be careful of that. Um, but I have found that when you really seek out a matter and God knows that matter is on your heart he will give you the solution I'll tell you a little bit about how he caused me to understand the Trinity and what it really is because most people get really lame examples of that Land of the Gadarenes, land of the Gergesenes. Area of, some translations say. If you were halfway between here and Rural Retreat at a certain place, you could say the area of the Withvillians, or the area of the Rural Retreatants, and you'd be right in both cases. These places weren't but 12 miles apart. So that's what it would be like. Well, Matthew decided, I'm gonna, it's over about where those uh, Gadarenes, or the Gergesenes, he called them, I'm sorry. He said Gergesenes. Luke and Mark said Gadarenes. And it's an area. And they would have been somewhere in between these two area, two points. And if you look at a map of the Sea of Galilee, they're right along the sea, both places. So if you're in between the two, you got a place where you can go into the sea with the pigs, right? But interestingly, Matthew said there were two demon-possessed men. Mark and Luke said one demon-possessed man. Were there one or two? There were two. Mark and Luke were only concerned with the one who had the legion demon. We are legion, we are many. 
Matthew doesn't say anything about that guy. He just said there were two demon-possessed men. And of course there were. And I did a little experiment years ago when this verse had come up. I, my daughter Madeline and Jared, our son, went on a field trip with Whistle Baptist Church to Carowinds down uh, south of Charlotte, right? Mm -hmm. And so they got back, and I just wanted to get an idea of how two, two young people who went through the exact same thing that day might tell it. So I asked Madeline first, by herself, in her room, I want you to tell me, and I had a notebook, tell me about your day. How did it go? How did it start? What did you all do? And she said, well, we, we got up and it was still dark and we were down at the church waiting to, to go to Carowinds. And then I said, how did you, uh, how did you go? And she said, we, we went on a van. We, we took a van. I said, okay. And what happened when you got there? And she said, well, the place wasn't even open. We stood there for 45 minutes before we could even get inside. And I, what did you ride? And she described some rides and the trip back home. So I, I'll never forget this. I took Jared to his room and I said, have my notebook. And I said, okay, Jared, I want you to tell me exactly from this morning, the time you got up till you got home this evening, how your day went. What did you do today? And he looks at me real scared. He says, am I in trouble? And <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. And he's with Christ now, and we long to be there too. But um, I said, no, you're not in trouble. Just what did you do? And so he didn't mention anything about it being dark. He said, well, we went down to the church, and, you know, we talked and played and this, that, and the other. And, I said, and, and then you, you traveled to, to Carowinds. He said, yeah. And I said, how did you travel to Carowinds? He said, we took two vans. Whoa. There were two vans. He told me that there were two vans. Madeline was only concerned with the one van that she was riding, so she said, a van. Jared didn't mention anything about the 45-minute wait outside the gate. And that's just how he was. He didn't worry about. He was where he was at home. Wherever he ended up, he made friends. He talked. He didn't um, ever meet a stranger. No. So that didn't mean anything to him. That wait, you know, I'm just standing out here, hanging out, having fun, talking, cutting up. So there are two accounts of the same thing, the same day, from two different perspectives. That's what you have in the Gospels. You have something that is not just two witnesses, not just three, but four. Four witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do you know that the Bible is true? Well, you see some interesting things. Let's turn uh, to um, Job chapter 26. Look at Job and it's I think it's right, right before the Psalms and Proverbs. Job chapter 26. Uh, 
this is supposedly the oldest book in the Bible that many believe it's older than the five books of Moses. Larry, when you find Job 26, read out loud verse 7. Okay. Job 26, verse 7. He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. Hangeth it on what? Nothing. Nothing. I thought, wasn't it, Atlas is supposed to be holding the earth up on his shoulders, according to the Greeks? And when they were asked, this is a true story, what's Atlas standing on? It's a giant turtle. No more questions. He hangs the earth on nothing. He hangs it on nothing. Haven't we understood that to be absolutely true now? Did he have a jack tied to him? <laughs> the turtle. That one dragged the jack down into Isaiah. The <laughs> Isaiah chapter 40 now. Isaiah 40. You got Isaiah 40, Trey? Yeah. Read me verse 22 of Isaiah 40. It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and stretcheth them out as a tent to dwell in. Amen. He sits upon the circle of the earth. Well, when that was written, most people thought the earth had corners. And they'll find places in the Bible even today that say, well, this says the four corners of the earth. That means the four compass points, north, south, east, and west, by the way. Um, God didn't say the earth was square. He said it's a circle. And he said that he hangeth it on nothing. So we find these things in Scripture, and we have to just stop and go, wow, that's amazing. And so we believe this word. We believe the word of God. If we look at Genesis, and I'm going to decide which, uh, says um, in the creation account where he creates mankind. And it's verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1. And it goes like this. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Let us make man in our image, and man has dominion over all the animals, but not ourselves. I was asked once, well, you think it's merciful to take your pet and have your pet euthanized when it's in suffering pain and is not going to recover? Well, why can't we do that with people? 
because God gave us dominion over the animals. He has dominion over us. Can we try to snatch that from him? Sure, people do that. But the way of things is he has dominion over us. And we have dominion over the animals. When Phil Robertson preaches that, he says, the way I read that, God says, whack them and stack them. Because he hunts a lot. And, <laughs> and he eats what he hunts. And and I that's the only way I really condone hunting if you and I've hunted a lot but we eat what we, we our deer and uh, now groundhogs if they're in a field the farmer wants them out you got to get rid of them because equipment can be broken or damaged or people even lives could be lost uh, if you're thrown from a tractor and run over because you hit a groundhog hole so there's such exceptions and we swap flies of course but you know that Job says that every living thing has a soul we were just in Job a little bit ago, and this is in chapter 12. And if you don't have the King James, it won't look this way to you, but we are not King James only, but Job, Job chapter 12. But the King James is the version that we need to compare everything else to. And if you find something that's not jiving, um, you... Um, default to the KJV. Why? Why can I say that? This has been with us 400 plus years. Over 400 years God has left this in our hands. It has been adjusted moderately to follow the transition of English language. And some people will say, well why why is, is God like favor only English speaking people? So, you know, so he gave his perfect word only in English. No, there are other translations in other languages of the KJV translations. That said, about 95% of missionaries throughout the earth during this dispensation of Christ have been English-speaking people from Britain, America, and so on. Uh, Verse 9 of Job 12, it says, Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? Verse 10, In whose hand is the soul of every living thing, and the breath of all mankind. Soul, breath, not the same thing. Breath is the spirit, the ruach in the Hebrew. Um, and if you're not born again, you have a dead spirit. That's the third party that needs to be born again. But everything has a soul. A blade of grass. It can't live without a soul. What does God do with the soul of that fly you swatted? Or that squirrel that couldn't decide which way to go in the middle of the road and you run over him? He doesn't tell us. He alludes in Ecclesiastes that they stay here on the earth. He didn't say he puts the soul of your dog into another dog. But I have seen some really strange things through the years when I've talked to people about pets it's like gosh this is just like yeah it's just like somebody I had well, the other dog I had I mean Sasha and Mika yeah. when Sasha she can get one piece of food out and she can go down and eat it after she got hit Mika started doing the exact same thing Isn't that interesting? out of the four dogs she's the only one that does it that's interesting so we don't know exactly how God handles that he's told us quite a bit about how he handles our soul um, 1 Thessalonians 5 
Who wants to read verse 23, 1 Thessalonians 5? Anybody? Bye-bye. Verse 23 of 1 Thessalonians 5. You want to read it, Jane? I'm in the second book. That's why you can't yeah, find, find chapter 5. <laughs> you got a defective Bible. It didn't okay, have... Okay, 5. <laughs> what was it? Verse 23. 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your spirit and soul and body. Now, when God said, let us make man in our image, that's plural. Because God is, because we are made in his image, we have a spirit and a soul and a body. Just like him. Well, his body is Jesus Christ. His soul is God the Father. The Spirit's the Holy Spirit. It's a little harder to understand, the Spirit. But it's the God consciousness of all creation. And when your spirit is made alive by being born again in Jesus Christ, it joins with God. Jesus said, they are in me and I am in them. Didn't he? John chapter 17. I puzzled over this whole idea that Jesus was God. But he has to be, because look in John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. And that starts out, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The thing you want to catch there is the Word was God. The Word was God. Look at verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us. Another way to read that is God was made flesh and dwelled among us. He became like us. My problem as I was trying to figure out so much of what the Bible teaches was I couldn't get good answers from many of these folks that have been away for years to these seminaries. I said, if Jesus is God, why is he praying to himself in the Garden of Gethsemane? Why is he saying, if there be any other way, take this cup away from me? That doesn't sound like the same person, does it? You can say that. doesn't sound like the same person, right? Until. And I'm, I, I feel confident I was given this image and understanding. When you get a splinter in your hand, and it's in there pretty good, and you take a needle or a pen or a knife blade and you start to pick and you start to get that thing. The body has something to say about that. The body recoils. I don't want to do this. This is going to really hurt. I'm going to bleed. Nevertheless, 
not my will, but your will be done. And the part of you that is aligned with God the Father overrules the body and plucks out the splinter. The body submitted, but not so easily, because the body is where the pain was felt. So God felt that pain in his own body. He knew what was coming. He knew he'd feel every bit of it. But all throughout the Old Testament, the picture of no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood, there would be no sin forgiven except for the sh- that there be bloodshed. That's what the picture of the Passover was. The perfect lamb. They had to go find a lamb that had not one blemish on it. They had to keep it for several days. And then it had to be approved by the priest. The priest had to look at that lamb and say, this lamb has no blemish, no faults. And then it was killed. And then they ate it. And they took the blood and they put it over the doorpost of their house so that when the death angel comes, he saw that blood and he passed over that house because they were under the blood. By the way, somebody had this, I don't know who this person was, social media the other day, had the grim reaper and his eyes are on fire and he's got the scythe and he's getting ready to come and get these people. And You could tell this person was really into death, really into blood and guts and, and bow down before the reaper kind of thing. I said, interesting side note here, that dude there, he's got a boss. <laughs> you know, he, he must answer to but um, I didn't get that when I first started reading the Bible I had this one Christian got it for me I wasn't really a Christian I just told her I was a Christian so she'd marry me I didn't know that there was a real spiritual change that had to happen didn't believe it was an atheist for so many years and as I've said before, I thought, okay, if I, if I get to marry her, I'll be a Christian. It's like being a Cubs fan. You put up the pennant, got the big C on there, you go to a game or two, stick your head in the door of a church or two now and again, get what you want, win-win. But it broke her heart when she realized that I really wasn't changed. Because I was in Leviticus one day reading and I said, honey, this says that you're to cut this pigeon's throat and sprinkle the blood all over the altar. I said, this don't sound like God. This sounds like Ozzy Osbourne to me. I said that. I did. At the time, she wasn't studied to the point that she could answer my question or my objection. But given time, God will do a work in our hearts if we let him. But we have to be seeking him. He says, those who seek me will find me. I thought I was so smart. I couldn't believe Christianity. I didn't know Sir Isaac Newton was a Bible-believing, prophecy-believing Christian who identified these laws of physics, who invented calculus. Because I used to like playing the intellect card on people. I'd just say, you know, that's fine for you folks 
I'd have a very clever way of putting it, but you're not playing with full deck, that's fine. Lean on your crutch. Lean on your crutch there. Your 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 Christianity and the little Bible there. I didn't know Newton was a Christian. And many, many other great inventors, great men of uh, uh, you know of history were Christians. They believed this word. And it does not return void. People say, how did you really get saved? I had a CIA guy asked me that from our last weekend before last. We had a class from up there, you know, CIA and NSA. And he got interested. He was rough. I don't know what he did, but he'd been here and there and done this and done that. Remember that dude Johnny Ron? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he said, what changed you? And I could tell he really wanted to know. And he brought it up again. I think even to Forrest about, you know, Johnny, that group was asking about, and you're a Christian, huh? It, he's thinking about it. <laughs> I ain't leaving if my butt's just tired. <laughs> okay, we'll just stand there. Be a wallflower. <laughs> I ain't going nowhere. I'll be right <laughs> um, I said I was reading the Bible. At, I was trying to win this debate with this guy that was saying you can get salvation and lose it. He was arguing against once you're saved, you're always saved. He said that's not true. He said you can get it and lose it. So we were having this debate. And here I was, not even saved, trying to argue that I couldn't lose my salvation I didn't have anyway. But I had to read the Bible to rebut his points. And it did not return void. I got saved reading the Word of God. By the way, once saved, always saved. It's fine if you put one more word in there. Once truly saved, always saved. You have to truly be saved. God knows those who are His according to His Word. God is not sitting there waiting to see what you're going to do. What the Pentecostals call like the backsliders and stuff like that. Yeah. They didn't backslide, they just never had it to begin with. And it's I mean, a, they may have acted as though they did, but I mean, they. they yeah, and First uh, John 2 and 19, they went out from us because they never belonged to us. Their going showed that they never belonged to us. It doesn't say they belonged to us and then all of a sudden they didn't. They right. never did. So, <laughs> you know, I tease Larry, though. Oh, yeah. We've got a wonderful brother in Christ. He believes that way. He's Pentecostal. I said, you know, he used to ride with the pagans. Did you know that, right? Yeah. And <laughs> not this Larry. Not this Larry. <laughs> and I say, uh, Larry, the, the Lord just lets you believe that because he knows how you'd act if you ever once found out you couldn't lose yourself. <laughs> Easy case. Love him to death. But, uh, you know, God's not surprised. You know, some of them have defaulted into what they call open theism, like, God's sitting there like watching this this little horse race or whatever, waiting to see who's going to win. He don't know either. Oh my goodness. He knows. He's told the end from the beginning. He knows those who are His. Yet, we make the decision to be included in the salvation of Christ. We must want that blood over our doorposts. We have to want that. And we have to acknowledge that we are not in charge of everything. This is God's universe. This is God's creation. 
he set it up according to his wishes and will made us a part of it and gave us a perfect opportunity to spend eternity with him with the one who made us with the one who loves us what more could you ask for and we're not going to be <laughs> Steve Martin he's listening to his comedy albums he said wouldn't it be weird if you died and you went to heaven and uh, you're floating around on the clouds and strumming a harp and everybody had wings on wouldn't you feel stupid <laughs> and you would that was funny but you would feel stupid this doesn't say that's what we're doing if you look into the millennial age to come and we're right on the threshold of it a thousand years in our resurrected glorified bodies and then we really are ten feet tall and bulletproof and don't even take any booze to get there we can't be harmed we will be multi-dimensional beings how do we know because Christ was the first fruit he filled that that um, festival in Leviticus chapter 23 when he rose from the dead his first fruits were among the dead well are the fruits that follow the first fruits the same kind yes we're going to have bodies we can walk right through a barred door freak everybody out in the room and just go peace be still because <laughs> he did didn't he he did that you can't hurt him and they won't be able to hurt us who's the they human beings study it they're going to be here through that millennial age survivors of the tribulation and the offspring of the 12 tribes of Israel 144,000 and that's just the men they've got wives and children and they're going to be here Isaiah says in that age that a man's years will be as the years of a tree and some trees live that long and longer even and he says in Isaiah there if a man dies at a hundred he'll be thought to be a mere youth if a man fails to reach a hundred he will be thought to have been accursed this is a different age that God is telling us about that's very close upon us it talks about women will no longer be in pain in childbirth who's having babies all these human beings are still going to be having babies the 12 tribes of Israel which actually by the way is every ethnicity on the planet every and now I say ethnicity because there's one race the human race that's why our blood can can be exchanged you can have wherever your ancestry's from you, you will look a certain way and being human beings and fallible human beings we kind of congregate people look like us we could learn something from the dogs to be honest with you because dogs don't care if there's a pack of dogs they don't care what color they are how big or small they are or what their pedigree is let's go chase some deer <laughs> you know? but um, in any event God has done a wonderful thing for all mankind through Jesus Christ and um, we really need to make sure that people understand that and understand it well and correctly we're living in a time where anger is getting out of control uh, Forrest and I were driving to work the other day 
on this little SUV and this little minivan. This SUV was up on the t on the back bumper of this minivan with his middle finger up in the window. If the minivan had hit the brakes, they would have been a collision. The minivan's whipping around; they're all they're going way over the speed limit. All I could do is pray for them and for those around them. There's going to be more of that, unfortunately. The the love of many will wax cold in these last days. Didn't Jesus talk about that? Well, the colder their love waxes, the more ours needs to shine. The more ours needs to be on full display. Help others. Care about others. But don't compromise your values. I made a meme. I put this on my Facebook earlier today. Um, you know, this is uh, Gay Pride Month, they're calling it. June is Gay Pride Month. I made this, and I'll read you the verses off of it. The rainbow belongs to God, by the way. He invented that. Proverbs 11 and 12 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. For those of you who have not seen this minister of nuclear waste that has been put into the administration, you would be shocked. This guy is a transgender character. He wears women's heels this high he's got makeup all over him he's got a pink mohawk this this stuff God is not going to countenance much longer let me just show you a picture of who I'm talking about Is that not sickening? That's just one. See, he's got his pink high heels on there, and he's, I think he's got pink hair, or does he in that? That's weird. Yeah. There's another one of him. There he is in a red dress, Sam Brenton, the Minister of Nuclear Waste in, in our current administration. Um... How did we get to this point? How did we get to this point? There he is kissing some other guy. Still got the women's heels on there. So, do you think we're not at the verge of God dealing with this country? you think we're somehow going to get a pass? Billy Graham said before he died, if... God didn't soon judge America, he'd have to apologize for Sodom and Gomorrah. That's disturbing what I just showed you. But it's a fact. Look it up. <clears throat> Look it up. This isn't a some tall tale from some right-wing extremist bunch. That is a fact. That character... You've seen the advertisement 
wrote the military they came out with the helmet, all the different colored bullets along it. I didn't see that, but you know, I'm not surprised. They got the helmet and the band around it and all these bullets that got six of them and the tip of each bullet's a different color. Well, a formidable enemy will laugh at that. We need to be ready to protect ourselves in this country. They are trying their level best to get our guns away from us. Americans haven't allowed that yet and will never allow it. Nothing they do is going to cause us to turn our guns in. But they are trying. That's what Hitler did before he took his people over. He disarmed everyone. There are people, and this is, by the way, this is absolutely not a Democrat-Republican thing at all. All that Democrat-Republican stuff is a smokescreen for this cabal that's doing this stuff. And there's, huh? Liberals, yes, absolutely. Um, Malcolm X said it best, uh, and, you know, white liberals are black Americans' worst problem. He was right then, he's right now. But they're white Americans' worst problem, too. They're throwing our country under the bus because they want a globalist system, a new world order. This started with George Bush Sr. It was carried on by George Bush Jr. I don't think Clinton was really involved in it that much. His wife probably was, but not Bill. Bill was too busy making dates. But... um, in any event, just don't let your guards down. Don't doubt that what the Bible said about the end times and the last days. Don't doubt that that's true, because it is. It's a disturbing thing to look at what's really going on out there, but you have to. That's our job as believers. You have to look at what's being done. And, and, and pray against it, and preach against it, and call it out. Call it out. We are right at an hour in. Anybody have anything they want to add? Our Bible study has been around a gentleman named David Jeremiah. Yeah. And his last lessons have been on the end of time. Yes. And the way the world is going. I missed several of them, but it was in... A film. He was, he was doing talks and lectures about the way the world is is turning, 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 and when are we going to stand up and fight for God, basically? Well, <laughs> you know. the way it seems is we're going to fizzle until everything falls apart and Armageddon ensues, and we hope as believers that we will be taken out in what most call the rapture of the church, we would be taken out ahead of time. Um, That rapture is described in Luke 17. You mentioned David Jeremiah. There would be two in the bed, one taken, one left. Two in the field, one taken, one left. Two grinding at the wheel, one taken, one left. Now Jeremiah has taught, you don't want to be the one taken, you want to be the one left. That's not true. You want to be the one taken. But what causes them to say that is they ask, well, where, Lord? Where would we be taken? And, and Christ answers, where the eagles are gathered together, 
there will the body be. And that sounds a little bit, in fact, it sounds a whole lot like what Jesus said in Matthew 24, talking about the tribulation. In Matthew 24, he's talking about all the destruction of the tribulation events. And in there, he says, where the carcass is, there will the eagles be. And it's easy to see why people would just overlap that part and then the Luke 17 part. He wasn't talking about one taken, one left in Matthew 24. And he also says where the carcass is, not the body. The King James gets this right. This NIV here gets it wrong. The NIV in Luke 17 says where the dead body is, there will the eagles be gathered together. It's not dead body. The Greek is toma, P-T-O-M-A, in Matthew, and that means carcass. There in Luke, it's soma, S-O-M-A. Soma means body, can be a living body. Where the living body is, if you're caught up with him to be where, does he say? We'll be caught up into the what? Into the clouds. All right. When buzzards are getting ready to chow down, matter of fact, Calvin come up on the hill the other day. He said, I'm looking around for a dead cow. And I said, why's that? He said, buzzards flying around up there in the air. Fortunately, he didn't have anything down, but there will the body be. You do want to be the one taken. Even from the standpoint of the Greek, taken there is paralambano. And Jesus said in John chapter 14, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and paralambano, there's the word, I will take you to me. The word left is a fiamai. It means forsaken, divorced. It is used for forgiven, and we misunderstand what it means to forgive. So many have taught to forgive somebody. You've got to like them again. You've got to put your arm around them again, take them out and buy them a beer again. No, you don't. You just get it off your desktop. Divorce that from your mind. That does not trouble you anymore. Those are the ones left. You don't want to be those. You want to be the one taken. Anything else? Hour and two minutes plus in. We ready? Okay. Reverend Davis. Father God, we come together again. And we ask that thou continue to lift down upon our Bible study. Father, continue to give us wisdom and knowledge. But we thank you for the understanding of the word that we get. We ask that thou bless this world we live in, your creation, Lord. There's good, bad, and the ugly, Lord. But, Father, not our will, but your will be done in this world. We know the devil think he has the power, but we know all power is in your hand, Amen. Lord. Yes. We ask that thou bless the bereaved families, those in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Lord, that was just killed, Lord. Be with their family. Be with the bereaved families in our community, Lord. For oh, Father, we ask that thou bless our home, our children, our grandchildren, and help us to continue to lift you up and give you the glory. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.